Welcome to the Treble Podcast. I'm your host, David Gertler. Treble is a business networking platform that helps professionals manage, grow, and most importantly, leverage their network for new business and career opportunities. Our podcast highlights business professionals and their stories. Join us to hear how some amazing people navigated or created their own career path and share business insights with us. Hey, Dave, so great to see you. As always, I'm thrilled to have you part of our podcast. Well, David, a pleasure being with you. Awesome. Hey, uh, I've read your book and I know a little bit about your background, your story, but for people who, and which is why I invited you to be part of the program, I think it's such, such a unique, uh, inspiring tale. But for people that don't know Dave Jaworski, uh, tell me a little bit about what you're up to today. Okay, I'm a principal product manager on Microsoft Teams in the Teams Engineering Group, and I work with customers who are interested in using Teams, not for the kind of interaction we're having now, video meeting and chat, but for people who want to run their business on Teams and actually build line of business solutions on Teams using our APIs, et cetera. So I, I work with customers, and then I work with our engineering team to fill in the gaps where we don't have a capability that customers want. What do you love most about what you currently do? Every day is a new adventure. It's just, I, I love the adventure of life and the creativity. You get to solve problems people are trying to solve. They have a pain point and you get to engage and use your mind to think about, well, how might we approach that? And there's oftentimes there's multiple ways to do it, but what's going to be the best experience for the user of this tool? They may not all be as technical as we are. Um, and so designing a great experience. And then the best part is when you implement it and you get back love, you know, I, I, we don't like to say MVP, like, you know, minimum viable product. We like MLP, the most lovable product. So oh, I, cool. I, I love doing what we get to do every day. I, I kind of pinch myself. I get paid to do what I love doing every day. How long have you been in the, the current role? Uh, in this role, I've been back at Microsoft now for five years, just over five years, and this role for uh, almost four of those five years. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. So I'm going to take you back to, let's say, high school, college timeframe. You know, you wake up one day, you're in high school, let's say, and you say, one day, that's my dream job. I want to work at Microsoft, uh, working on teams for implementation and product you know, management type of role. Is that how it all started for you? Or give me a no. sense of where did the... Where did you start your career? Was it high school, college? What were your thoughts around that? Yeah, well, there's a clue in the background here. Uh, the guitar on the wall, there's actually three on the wall and one on the floor here. And um, I, I played music, I wrote music. I wanted to be a record producer. I wanted to work in the music industry. That was my passion. Music was my passion. And I, um, I also thought that would be my avocation. Uh, so one part was maybe it'll be my vocation, but if not, what I want to do is be uh, work with Jacques Cousteau, uh, diving, scuba diving, and, and you know going under the sea with these amazing whales. And I had watched his shows growing up, and they just fascinated me. So I went and got certified for scuba and um, learned that I had, was born with very narrow sinus cavities. Mm -hmm. And so I would be signing up for a life of extreme pain because I had a very hard time equalizing when I was going down or a desk job, neither of which excited me. So I had taken, uh, when I went into my introductory year at University of Manitoba, I'm Canadian, so if you hear funny accent, it's a combination of where I live now in Nashville, plus Canada, plus living on the West Coast for a while. So it's, 
Howdy y'all a something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, at the University of Manitoba, when you were doing your orientation, um, you could, so I was going to go into oceanography, which meant doing uh, biology, zoology, and then going into oceanography. And so I was doing a general science intro year. And I checked the box to take the tour. And it was around this time I was learning about my sinus condition that this was not going to work. And so one of the things I checked was the computer room. And our high school was one of the early adopters. We actually had computers, but I thought of them as fast calculators. I thought of them as, you know, people who are really good at math. That's what they do. They use these to do their math faster, better, more complicated. And on the, that tour changed my life because the master's students at the University of Manitoba at that time, all of the work was centered around uh, using computers to help people with temporary or permanent disabilities. So it was things like eye, tracking eye movement and using a mouth stick. So if you had, had been disabled either permanently or temporarily, you could still communicate. And I went, that was like... Oh wow. my gosh, these computers are not just about faster calculators. They're going to change the quality of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's something I could get engaged with. And so I switched my major to computer science mm -hmm. and um, took some courses in the summer to really get boned up on that. I, I was working in radio. Um, University of Manitoba had a radio station. And so I worked there and I, I did continue on, but it wasn't much longer after I got into computers and got bit by the computer bug that I said, okay, avocation, vocation, switch, recording engineer, doing music, avocation, computer science is going to be my career. I'm going to spend my life in computers and, and try to make people's lives better. Wow. That's amazing. So what was, what was the first gig after you graduated? Uh, Great West Life Assurance Company, an insurance company working on the mainframe. And our system called CS15 was the, the big, you know, we had these wonderful technical names. Um, our system was the feeder, it was the recipient of 17 different subsystems at, at all of the Great West Life businesses. Great West Life, for those who don't know it today, is called Canada Life. Uh, they bought Canada Life, Irish Life. <laughs> etc. In the US, they run 401k plans for many companies, large companies that you and I both know. And um, they're, they're one of the largest group insurance providers, as well as having individual insurance. And so these 17 different feeder systems fed into our system, CS15, and would process all these transactions and records. And so I learned how to program the mainframe. I also learned what it meant to be on call. I remember one uh, New Year's Eve, my wife and I were out for dinner and 1030 my pager goes off and the one of our subsystems had failed. And so I'm, I my wife and I greeted the security guard and wished him a happy new year as we went to work to get things back up and running. Wow. So I started at the insurance company and, um, and then got bit by the microcomputer bug. Uh, interesting wrinkle, if I could, on how that happened. Yeah. So first, I, I started using microcomputers, these Apple IIs, they were called, uh, Bell and Howell had the black apple, and it was an Apple II computer that was used for training. They delivered uh, computer-based training. And so I ended up moving from the programming side to the training side of the company at Great West Life. And I put one of these Apple IIs on my desk with a program called Visidex. Mm -hmm. And you could basically, the same guys who made VisiCalc, personal software, they had this program Visidex, which was like, the 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 analogy was a three by five card in your computer. So I stored all my notes in there and had no paper on my desk. And people would walk up and ask me a question. I go just a second. I bang a you know type in a keyword or two. There was the note, and they were like, 
how'd you do that? <laughs> wow. So then I started talking about these computers and they were like, could you teach us how to do that? So they had me put together a program to teach people about microcomputers. And I was bit that I, I was on the road there. My wife and I, by the way, just to show how geeky we are on our honeymoon, we bought an Apple II Plus. And, <laughs> and so our, our honeymoon trip took us to California. And in that trip, we, we like, we, we got to get one of these computers. Wow. Um, so it started off with an Apple II Plus and, uh, and this black Apple at work. And, uh, and then onward, onward from there. Wow, that's amazing. So you did that for a little while. Did you, when did you make a change? What did you change? Well, I, I felt so in love with these microcomputers and what they could do. And it was like, okay, the vision that I had about computers helping people's lives, now it was personal. Now it was literally going to be, these machines are going to be everywhere. They're going to be, everybody's going to have these. They're going to start using them. Of course, it's going to start with the geeks, but it'll, it'll get broader and broader. Mm -hmm. And so I went to work for a company called Citation Software, which was Canada's largest microcomputer software distributor. Mm -hmm. And they had hundreds of of companies that they served. They were the exclusive in Canada for Visicore. Um, they made the mistake and passed on Lotus, uh, which of course brought one, two, three. So they, they, they bet on Visicore. Um, and then they had Microsoft and others. So all these different product lines and over 1800 different products, including things like physical devices, like scanners, HP scanners and things. And so I was hired into the tech support group there and running tech support and, um, and myself, I ended up leading that department. And one day I got a phone call and then I got another phone call and they both said the same thing. And the Canadian equivalent of the Wall Street Journal would be Toronto's Globe and Mail, the Globe and Mail. And both of them said, Dave, I saw your resume in the Globe and Mail. Hmm. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> like, that'd be like saying, David, I saw your resume in the Wall Street Journal. You're like, what? Right. What do you mean? They said, this company, Microsoft, is moving, is going to open up operations in Canada. Mm. And I read this job description and it's you. Mm. And so I thought, okay. So wow. I, I found what this. was the era? What's the time frame now? Uh, Mid 80s? 1984. 84, yep. Yep. So um, definitely um, th those phone calls were, I would have missed that opportunity coming up because I, I hadn't seen that. So I, I responded to the ad when I, when I was, they forwarded it to me. I responded to the ad three calls, by the way, within 24 hours about that ad to me going, Dave, mm. you should look at this. Right. And so I went and um, I called them up and they said, uh, well, you'll have to pay for the trip to Toronto. And I said, well, are you, are you sure you're not going to cover the cost for the recruiting interview? And they said, well, let us check and call you back. And they called me back and they said, no, we're paying all expenses. And I said, okay. So I came out and I found out why they said that. Because everybody that they'd interviewed up to date for that position, when it, it, several times they'd asked the question, so what's your idea of, of excellence in technical support? And they were looking for principles. Mm -hmm. But several of the candidates said, Dave Jaworski. They literally <laughs> named me, <laughs> not realizing oh, I'd become their competitor but um, for that position. So because of the work I'd done at Citation and the quality of the work and the way we'd been able to do it, um, for example, the team of two of us outperformed a competitive team of 10. Um, and we did that by leveraging technology. So they said, when we heard you were the one applying and others had been naming you as their example of excellence, we wanted to talk to you. So they ended up offering me um, two jobs. Um, they offered me, I could run tech support or I could become a marketing rep. 
And I said, I want the marketing rep job. And the gentleman who was interviewing me, there were actually two that interviewed me, Bob O'Rear, who if you look at that first picture of Microsoft when there's 11 people, Bob is the one immediately over Bill's shoulder, Bill Gates' shoulder. Um, and Rich McIntosh, is that not the perfect name for somebody in the tech industry? All right. And Rich was uh, going to lead the new Canadian operation. So he was going to run Microsoft Canada. And um, so they interviewed me and Rich said, well, think about it. I said, no, I want the marketing rep job. And he said, think about it. I, I said, okay, I'll call you tomorrow and tell you I want the marketing rep job. <laughs> and he goes, now let me make sure you know that you know, the tech support job comes with a car. You, know, you have an office, you have people reporting to you. On the marketing rep, you get a car allowance. Um, and you're going to be on the road because Canada has five and a half time zones. There's going to be you and one other person. So you're going to have half of Canada to cover. Um, I, so I did call back the next day and took the marketing rep job. Um, so I wanted to really get out and work with customers directly and help them use this technology. And uh, the final thing was I ended up with all five and a half time zones because a week in, uh, into the job, my counterpart quit. And so I ended up covering Canada. Wow. So, so just to pause for a second. So <clears throat> what I'm learning so far, the core of you is not just getting computers to work, but making computers make people's lives better. Is that 100%. fair? Right. So 100%. for you, that decision was getting out in front in the marketing position so that you could understand what customers were looking for. Right. And, and help them achieve the goals that they were after. I felt tech support was more on the responsive side. I've got a problem. Something's not working right. And that's cool in the sense that you want to help them get past that blocker. I wanted to help people innovate and think about how they might use these devices in their business. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. All right. So you're doing that for a while. And so I ended up spending um, 10 years of my career, that chunk of my life um, at Microsoft. And then I, uh, ended up moving after three years in Canada, they asked me if I would uh, move to the US. And I took the opportunity, moved to Los Angeles and ran was general manager for Western US sales. Um, and we did a turnaround, they said, it's going to take five years to get this where it needs to be two years or a year and a half in they said, uh, we'd like you to move to corporate um, and run U.S. sales operations. And um, my wife was pregnant at the time with our son, Jonathan. And she said, I'm not moving until Jonathan comes. And um, so he was born in September. And at the end of that year, calendar year, we moved up to Seattle into Redmond, Washington, and ended up working running U.S. sales operations. And then at one point, I got called aside. And they said, uh, by our then president, um, and he said, uh, Bill and I and, and the leadership have been talking and you're one of five people we think could run Microsoft someday. Um, and so we want you to run a P&L. Now, normally we would send you out to an international subsidiary to run the full P&L, but you've already been at a subsidiary, Microsoft Canada. So we're going to have you take over Microsoft University and run that. And um, so I ended up running Microsoft University. And uh, we'll, we'll keep a, a, the, the suspense going in the book, Microsoft Secrets. Yep. I, um, I talk about that 10 year period, the rocket ride from worst, we were dead last in products. And we, people say, well, what does that mean? It's like, if you were to think of all the word processors that people were using, we ranked like 10th or 11th on the list. Um, mm. There were so many other products. And in that period, we created Microsoft Office, 
and and many other things. But I, I ended up leaving the company um, after running Microsoft University and ended up going in and running my own business. Um, so why? What was the logic? What what made you say, hey, I want to make this because it's a big change for you, right? It's a big change. Yeah. So um, the short version, the longer versions in the book, mm-hmm. the short version is um, I felt I, I had done what I'd been called to do. I'm a Christian and it really matters to me in my faith. And I got called up by HR one day and they said, you're using two words in training that are highly offensive to people. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are those words? And they said, by the way, you're going to get sued and the company's going to get sued. I said, what are the words? And they said, um, God. And I said, Okay, I, I can understand why some people might be offended by that. Um, what's the other word? And they said, family. And I said, what? Yeah. Like, has Microsoft become such a dark place that family's verboten? Um, and they said, we're just telling you you're going to get sued. And in that moment, I prayed and I said, God, I need an answer. And I, and I got it instantly. I knew exactly in that moment, God answered that. Um, sometimes prayers never get answered, and you, you, but for a reason. Um, but in that moment, I knew exactly. I had crystal clarity on what was happening. And the short answer was, it was the training delivery. The people who were leading that training were very D drivers. And so if you were a D driver, you were like, yeah, go get the world, conquer the world. If you were an I, an S, or a C using the DISC model, if you were any of the other personality styles or tendencies, you felt steamrolled. So I said, I'm going to take care of it. They said, well, what are you going to do? I said, don't worry, I got this. And Microsoft didn't get sued and I didn't get sued. And our group, the the group at Microsoft University, which was last in performance when I took it over in U.S. sales and marketing division, became the only group that fiscal year to beat plan every single single month of the fiscal year and became number one. um, And we we went from uh, a loss to a profit. in very short time. I remember meeting with Bill and Frank Godet. Um, God bless his soul. He's a great man who was our CFO. He died of, uh, after battling cancer and, and Steve Ballmer. And they said, we want you to write a two-year plan to turn Microsoft University around. And then Steve added, and don't let it take two years. <laughs> Typical Steve Ballmer. Um, and we did. 10 months later, we had the, the ship back on the rails and we were, we were able to successfully wow. change things. And some of the things that happened in that era still live to this day. We had hired a gentleman from Novell called Bill, named Bill Lane. And Bill had been familiar with the certification program they run. And everybody's heard of the MCS designations, the Microsoft Certified Consultant and Certified, all the Microsoft certifications you get. Well, we started that program at Microsoft University, lives on to this day. Mm-hmm. So there have been many things that we've been in, and credit to Bill Lane. So we've had um, really many great ideas that have continued to persist from that era. And it, it's just been a blessing. But I felt I had done what I was. Did you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> one of your assistants is. Maybe one of my digital assistants wants, wants to clarify that last comment. Yes. Um, so I felt it was really, uh, I had done what I'd been called to do and I wanted to go to work and, and make a bigger difference every day than I felt I was making. So I started my own business and went out on my own. And for 22 years, I worked with venture-backed startups, my own startups, and then Satya came in. Satya Nadella came in in the leadership of Microsoft and I was writing the book and I went back on campus and I was like, oh my gosh, everything's going to change. Microsoft's going to become relevant in a way it's never been before. This is going to be like the second surge of Microsoft. I was there in the early surge when Microsoft Office went to number one. And when we created it, I was one of a handful of people at table when we created that. Another story, if you're interested. 
but the bottom line is we were able to, um, I saw Microsoft was going to do it again. And so I rejoined Microsoft five years ago and little did we know COVID was coming and that would take a product that was doing 10 million monthly active users. And now we're at 275 million monthly active users. Wow. We're doing a billion and a half minutes every month, one to two months. We went to doing over 11 billion minutes of meetings and calls a day. Wow. Um, I mean, just poof. So yeah. What what made you jump onto the teams in the in, into the teams group? Great question. When I came back, I was <clears throat> I was part of the global digital advisors team. It was a fifty person SWAT team that worked with our most strategic customers around the globe. So Satya or Judson would go meet with the CEO or their C suite, and then they would they would say, "We want to do digital transformation. We want to transform our business." And our team would parachute in and and work with them and help them achieve their objectives. Uh, the biggest project I worked on had an over $3 billion value to the company we worked with. Um, and so we helped them achieve these massive transformations. And as I was doing that work, there were themes that were emerging. And I saw there was a need for one common platform. Instead of having 15 apps or AI apps and all these different apps proliferating, which would be hard to manage, they needed one pane of to be able to do this. And this was kind of the nirvana that we were after, the holy grail we were after in the early days of Microsoft was write once, play everywhere. So instead of writing Swift for Apple and JavaScript for Android and C Sharp for Windows, dot, 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 you could write for Teams and it would play everywhere. Mobile, be, you know, be responsive, mobile, et cetera. And so I saw that as being a key in this digital transformation journey for companies. And that's what attracted me to go and become part of the engineering team. Nice, nice. <clears throat> if, if, I can go on for hours. I, I, uh, your story is so fascinating, and and you've made such a huge impact. In you know, most people don't know, but you've made such a huge impact. And I do. I, I did read your book, and I loved it. And I would highly recommend Microsoft Secrets to everybody. It was it was, it was just great because you were Thank there you. at the ground, uh, you know, ground floor. Um, as I look at your career and I think about all the different things, there's so many things that pop to me. One of the things that you said today that I didn't know about you previously was when you got that, that call for the Microsoft, the three different people that called you, it's because your name was synonymous with quality. And that's just something that's you know, inherent to you, right? You, you do great work. You, provide, you, you provided great service to people, but people knew that about you. And so you didn't have to look for a job. People came to you for that job because of the quality of the work that you had done in your reputation. Um, and then the other thing that's also very striking, it's, it's in your book as well. And I know from, from previous discussions with you, faith is an important part of your life and that plays a significant role. And I applaud you for balancing your faith with the quality of, of the work that you've done and then the passion that you bring for all these new projects. And I can't wait to see what you're up to, what you do you know, uh, next, you know, or continue to do with, with Microsoft and Teams. Um, Dave, thank you so much for making time. It's a truly inspiring story. And I hope people understand by listening to you that, you know, life isn't always a, a linear path and that if they stay true to their principles, their faith, the quality of the work, their reputation, great things happen. So that's, that's the moral that I derive from the Dave Jaworski story. Well, thank you, David. It's just a privilege to be with you. And I think it's about delivering value to the people you serve. And the more value you bring, the greater the pull will be. Um, and so and you do that through Trouble Network. I appreciate you and what you're doing. Thanks.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Treble Podcast. If you're inspired by this story, want to network more effectively, and unlock new business and career opportunities, download Treble from the App Store today. You'll need to search for Treble Network, all one word. We're offering an exclusive deal for our podcast listeners to get a free premium membership with the promo code TREBLEPOD. Again, use the code TREBLEPOD to get a free premium membership on Treble today.